0: appreciated the comments that that you've sent my way, and uh, her memorial service will be in two weeks at uh, Rosemount Bible Church, and uh, everybody, everybody's welcome, of course. Um, I'm going to follow up on the reading that we just did in the New Testament. I'll read it again. And he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to to him and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, better known to us as Matthew, the son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he, Matthew, Levi, got up and followed him. It's a very, very remarkable passage. And uh, so I would just like to think a bit about it and see what we can take away and see how it can affect how we live in in the coming days, what it has to teach us. Jesus was thronged by people at this point in his ministry. We uh, just recently, and actually I was the preacher, in the the previous paragraph, we encountered the the man who had a palsy and uh, his friends brought him and they dug a hole through the roof. And wow, that's some amazing story. And here we are, I don't know whether it's the same crowd, and I don't even know whether it's the same day, but there's something about Jesus that drew people to him. He wasn't your average public speaker. They came by the hundreds, perhaps by the thousands, who knows? Jesus seemed compelled to teach whenever he had a chance. He he seemed to seize every available teaching moment And the people were thirsty for what he had to say, even though, as we know from other passages, they had huge difficulty understanding his parables. Even the disciples had difficulty understanding his parables. But somehow they followed him and they listened. And eventually, hopefully, probably, the parables began to mean something to them. I'm curious about this. Had they actually learned something about the nature of Jesus' ministry? Were they actually there for his teaching, for the truth that Jesus was espousing, or were they just there to see the fireworks, the healings? Why were they there? Well, I'm convinced and there's plenty of evidence in the in the rest of the gospels, that some in that crowd could sense intuitively that Jesus and his teachings were entirely different than anything they had seen or heard before. Jesus Jesus actually was promising what the whole world was looking for. You and I probably don't have a strong sense of what the pagan world was like, It was a terrible place to be, especially if you were not Roman. I think the people who followed after Jesus wanted a front seat in the drama that Jesus was soon to unfold. The reality was that they were in a Roman-occupied country with a traitor as a king and tax collectors of their own people who who extorted money from them. That was their reality every day. Herod was their king, a traitor. Matthew was a tax collector, a traitor. The Romans had no concern for the average Jewish person other than that they could exploit them. The people were hungry for a Savior. They desperately wanted a Savior. True, the Savior they wanted was going to come with guns and howitzers and tanks, but that wasn't the kind of Savior that Jesus was going to be. When I think of Jesus and how people looked to him, followed him, hung on his every word, it makes me a bit embarrassed about my own life. I've got work to do. So we move on to the 14th first. So as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. I think that has to be said with a perhaps an even, uh, a different emphasis. Follow me, Jesus told him. A long silence, maybe. A shuffling in his seat. A slowly lifting himself up. And he got up and he followed Jesus. You see, Jesus noticed people. He walked with intention. He saw Levi at a distance. There's no question in my mind that Jesus intended to walk this way and to meet Levi. It was on his agenda. Who was Levi? Well, we don't know very much about him. We find out a bit in the book of Matthew and one or two uh, passages in uh, other places. He's almost anonymous in the New Testament. Tradition says that he was martyred at the end of his life. Tradition also says that he made it to Ethiopia as an evangelist, but none of those are none of those things are, are things we know for sure, but for some reason, Jesus wanted Matthew Levi. and what was it that? caused Levi to immediately stand up and follow Jesus. I'm always reminded, now I'm giving away my age here, 1959, um, that's not my age, but um, uh, there was a movie called Ben-Hur that came out that year, won 13 Academy Awards. And I think the most compelling uh, episode or scene in that movie was Judah Ben-Hur had been arrested under false pretenses and was being dragged off to the galleys in the Mediterranean and they were all chained together going through the desert to make it to the port and uh, they happened to pass through a village it wasn't identified what village but they happened to pass through a village and they encountered Jesus and what Jesus was busy doing was taking a ladle and dipping it into uh, the water and uh, and quenching the thirst of all of these prisoners. And of course, the Roman guards went and they kept whipping the people and trying to get them to continue walking. And Jesus kept trying to give them water. And finally, the Roman soldier came face to face with Jesus and he lifted his arm. And as he was about to strike him with the cat of nine tails, Jesus just looked at him, and the man, the soldier, just stopped. There was something about Jesus' gaze. He couldn't continue, and he let Jesus continue. There was something about Jesus that was so palpably different that the soldier was rendered helpless by his very stare. We look at the crowd that was with Jesus, his disciples, plus all this huge crowd of hangers-on. Not one person behind Jesus, from his disciples to the youngest, to the oldest, not one person would have considered himself or herself to be a friend of Levi, who Jesus was approaching. He, was a, he as a traitorous tax collector, would probably have been hated even more than a samaritan tax collectors were sinners by trade lying and cheating their way into riches and robbing from even the poorest among the jewish people they were religious outsiders because of the way they practiced their profession openly it was outside of the law of moses they would overcharge people telling you you owe forty dollars in taxes but in fact the person only owed ten dollars in taxes and so matthew would keep the other thirty that's how it that's how it operated the richer they were the worse they were assumed to be zacchaeus was a tax collector remember how much money he had he was going to pay back four times what he'd taken from them very rich man It would be a hatred similar to a slave in the southern states before 1860, seeing a white slave owner rushing towards him. The animosity between the white slave owners and the slaves would be a similar hatred. Or a Palestinian encountering a Jewish settler who had taken over their village. Or a Ukrainian soldier forced to surrender to the Russians. The Jewish crowd hated tax collectors with reason. For his part, Levi in all probability would have been afraid of this crowd of Jews. This was a, an explosive encounter. My guess is that he would have had a bodyguard of Roman soldiers. So it was, a, it was a, an incident waiting to explode. And at that very point, as he says, as he comes to Levi, that Jesus' actions completely changed the game, not just for Matthew, not for, just for Jesus, but for every person who stood behind him. By approaching Matthew and speaking to him and then asking Matthew to follow him, Jesus showed that he was willing to lose the adulation of the crowds. He was willing to lose his audience, and they did leave him very shortly thereafter and risk his whole reputation. Jesus was a popular guy. Everybody wanted to listen to him, and at this point, he threw all of that away, every last bit of it he risked angering his disciples. Wait a minute, Jesus, what the heck are you on about? Do you know who this guy is? The crowds had to make a decision about Jesus at this point. It was a huge wrench for them. They were all put on notice that Jesus wasn't just about healing and stories, but he was about reaching out to the disenfranchised to the hated, to the inconvenient, to those who didn't deserve love. Levi had to make a decision too. Wow! He stood up and he followed Jesus. He gave up probably the, one of the wealthiest jobs that anybody could have had. He just walked away from the money. He would have to dramatically revise his life, make restitution like Zacchaeus, learn to love those who hated him and to conquer his fear of fellow Jews. Matthew's life was about to be revolutionized. This was probably the first time that a Jewish person had spoken to Matthew kindly in a very long time. People would spit on tax collectors when they went by them. They would swear at them. He was worse than a leper to the Jews. This action by Jesus, remember the stare of Jesus to the Roman soldier in the film, this action would have had an enormous impact on Levi. And it would have infuriated the crowd. So Jesus here dared to cross a huge cultural barrier and embrace Matthew. I wanna be with you, Jesus said no matter what happens behind me. Right here, at that moment, Jesus was putting the crowd and his disciples on notice that his ways would be different ways. He would not shun people, but he would embrace the undesirables. Those, Those who had been anathematized by society at large would be welcomed into his presence, and into his kingdom. Jesus knew, and this was only eventually, but I mean the crowd only eventually got this, Jesus knew that the crowd had to see that in order to follow Jesus and his way and his teachings, they had to learn to love people they had formerly hated. That's a big ask. We tend not to love people that we formerly hated. Nobody would be left out of Jesus' kingdom. Can we love the unlovely, the marginalized, the inconvenient? It's a very difficult thing to do. And Jesus, in his call to us to be obedient disciples, followers, is asking us to climb a really steep mountain, even superficially, we're being called to love people who are past their prime. When I think of that thought, I always think of Paul Simon's line in his song, Outrageous, on, his, on the album, Surprise. And he has the chorus goes, who's gonna love you when your looks are gone? Who's gonna love you when your looks are gone? Jesus was willing to forgo his popularity in order to love someone. Real love will always be, is costly, difficult, inconvenient. And love is an active verb. It is and always will be hard work. So in this verse, Jesus' lesson is that the love of others comes before the comfort of our own in-group, before the comforts of success. The principles of justice and love is always higher than the quest for personal comfort and status. And if that isn't true in this world, then God help us. Prior to this encounter, Levi's hope had been in money. Now his hope had to take the form of following in Jesus' way. Matthew had walked with the Romans. Now he had made the choice to walk with Jesus. But henceforth, Matthew would have to walk with everyone. No exceptions. So this short little passage tells us so much. Are we willing to walk with the unlovely? Are we willing to walk away from what the world offers us? Are we willing to question our worldview? Are we willing to pay the price to count the cost? Are we willing to walk with Jesus to listen to his words, to incorporate them into our lives. Are we willing to walk with Jesus? Our Father, we thank you for this short word. We thank you for what you have given us, and we ask and pray that you will help us to be faithful. As difficult as it is, give us the courage to be overcomers, to love the unlovely, To seek out what Jesus wants us to do. Father, we just say thank you. We offer you this morning service as an act of worship from the bottom of our hearts, and we ask that you will guide us as we walk through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.